Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. I'm Nick the Human. I'm Craig And the joining human. us today... Oh, whoops. I messed it up. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, I like an eager guest. <laughs> Go for it. Oh, I'm yourself. Craig the Human. I play in a band called Coldrex. I also play in a band called Answering Machine. One time, Eric asked if I could uh, play bass on a holophonic store, but I couldn't get the time off from work. But I, I always think, like, <laughs> I would have been cool. We would have hung out. Like, I would have played some Scott. It would have been neat, you know? Yeah, that was, a, that was a summer of many bassists. Nick was one of the bassists on that tour. I was. And I, I we, saw Coldrex for the first time at Punk Island. Is that what oh, it was nice. Called? Uh, yeah. I was just watching a clip from Colorex playing Punk Island and just like missing the world as it used to be. <laughs> that was a oh, fun yeah. day. Three and a half years ago when shows happened. Is that how long ago it was? Fuck. I, I mean, I've played a bunch of Punk Island, so I'm, I'm just yeah. assuming that the one you're talking about is the one I'm thinking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That was the tour we had, I think, like six different bass players. Like we, we were on the road for like seven weeks or something. And we had like a different bass player almost every week. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome though we got to point out eric that this is our third bass summit oh no <laughs> where we've had three bass players on in the same podcast i i can't think of any any more undesirable format for a podcast than three bass players and yet we keep running into this <laughs> so let's talk bass- about the real bass issue so like do you in a <laughs> chorus when you need more power do you play the e a little higher up on the a string or do you play the open e because in some studios the open e is powerful but in some studios the E with seventh fret A string just, you know, cuts, cuts through a little better. What do you guys think? I try not to use the E on the A string. Uh, if if I'm going to play that E, I usually do second fret on the D string because it has like a brighter, vibrant cut to it. Oh, well, boy. Now, uh, oh what boy. about 12 on the E string? I've done that. that. I only do that live. And it's only if you want it to like just sound boomy and loud as fuck for a moment. But it's, but it's normally I'm a fan of the open low E string. I don't know. Can we continue the podcast? Like we're all over the map here. Second fret D string. <laughs> yeah, I don't bring do that, that into the I'm, studio. Yeah, no way. Definitely <laughs> seven on A over that. Oh boy, I've never. Even, I mean, if I'm playing like reggae stuff, then sure, seven on A. But but for punk stuff with a pick, second fret D all the way. <laughs> I guess every studio is different. So I, I don't know. I've never been in a studio where I was able to really get away with any cool D string stuff. But that's just me. Yeah, also holophonic stuff. You want that little extra brightness on your bass playing, Eric? It depends. It depends on the context. If yeah. it's super punk and crazy, then yeah, I, I think the the jump in tone from A to D is pretty noticeable on a bass. If yeah. you're using a pick, especially. It's so just... It's situational dependent. I'm playing like huge, chunky, stainless steel strings where I want it to be like beefy and just holding down that section. So I use ultra light stainless steel bass strings there you go i use 40s craig eric are you a guitar player first bass player second because yeah. that's all i'm <laughs> no. hearing from you oh man i have to take some uh, offense to that I- <laughs> eric is a vocal uh, a vocal uh, critic of anyone who plays bass like a guitar player yes i am first and foremost a bassist i have been since i was 12 years old I don't know. I'm thinking about. I'm not going to get over this second fret D string thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be yeah. thinking about this for like the next like two years. About. Second fret D string. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh, man. Sorry. Well, <laughs> well, that's anyway. some good bass talk. We can do some Adventure Time talk, which <laughs> is you know we have to do. 
because we, we could tie it together because you had another bass player on recently. You had John DeDominici and actually bought a bass. My last last time I bought a bass, I bought a bass from him. I bought uh, really? you know, a Lakeland that he was selling for a very nice price. And Lakeland's it was my dream bass. But he, he already has a Lakeland. He has the red one. That's his ride or die bass. And he's got like a yeah. Rickenbacker and like a, you know, like a hundred P basses that I think I hope Fender just like gives to him, but probably not. Uh, so he's like, I don't actually need this Lakeland. Oh, it's because he, he was buying a Gibson Ripper and he was like, I can't justify having this many of the same bass and a Gibson Ripper. So, yeah, I got the the Lakeland from him and I brought uh, uh, my uh, fiance and we, I hung out with John and his girlfriend at his house with his cats. It was cool. And we talked about picks. And I was like, I like, you know, a thicker pick for a bass. And, and he was like, no, you have to use the lightest pick possible. And it's just like bass is all these like little things getting all these little things. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, well, hey, what? John DeDominici, bass player for Jeff Rosenstock. I think that's our first Jeffrance of the day. I'm also wearing a No Dream shirt. So, so what is uh, Lakeland? Is it like, tell me, is it just like a better constructed, is it like a P-Bass style? Yep, that's just, uh, what if Fender was a little better? Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, honestly, there are a lot of those brands out there now. What if Fender was just less shitty? <laughs> well, it's like good Fender. There's like all these different models. I don't know. I got into this uh, guitar YouTube channel where this guy was talking about like ripoff guitars, and sometimes like they're good, and sometimes they're not. I don't know. It's it's a it's a wild world out there, uh, and there's a lot of P basses. Yeah, yeah. I so I play Reverend guitars. Ooh. And I don't own one of their decision basses, uh, but I really love uh, like their take on the P bass. Um, I like the pickups sound really, really freaking good. Do you rock that uh, the Seafoam Green BJ bass? Is that yours or someone else in your band? Uh, our bass player Owen from the Holophonics, he has an old Fender P bass, uh, but now he plays a Reverend. Ooh. So when is the Reverend sponsorship coming? Reverend, you listening? You like Adventure Time? You like bass players? Let's get this going. <laughs> well, well, the Holophonics are endorsed by Reverend. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. All right. Cool. I was <laughs> yeah. picking up on it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Reverend rules. Um, yeah. Well, I, I know not very good at transitions <laughs> recently, but Craig, let's talk about Adventure Time. When did you get into Adventure Time? What's the first memory you have of it? What was the first interaction you had? I'm in college in like probably 2010, maybe even 2011. And some friends I had uh, who I just like, anything they liked, I was always like, this is the coolest thing. They always had like really great taste. And they were like, we're into the show Adventure Time. I think season four was out. And I think the first episode I saw was like the Ice King Memories episode where they find like the tapes and they're watching oh. and you like learn the origin of the Ice King. Wow. And oh, I, I yeah. get into shows in this weird way where I like I'll skip like the first few seasons and just get to like whatever the hook is. And I'm like, oh, now I want to watch this because I want to learn all about the Ice King. That's a smart method. We've talked about both of us like kind of not getting it at first, especially in the first season. I think I watched the first season and a half or two as it was coming out and I kind of fell off. Eric, you talked about right watching the first season being like, wait, what's like what's so great about the show and it, it takes like yeah. a little bit to get there so i kind of like this like i'm just gonna pl- drop in in season four and see one of the heavier episodes ever and to really gauge that's smart should i try that with breaking bad will that work for me uh why not 
Breaking Bad starts strong. That first episode is like crazy. Yeah. But then the thing with Breaking Bad is I watched that episode. I'm like, this is amazing. And I never watched it again. I was like five years ago. <laughs> oh, dang. You haven't finished it? I only saw the first episode. It seems Me good. Me too. <laughs> well, Breaking Bad definitely is the show that it will always be mm-hmm. from the jump. Like, it's just, it's very consistent from episode one all the way to the end. Um, and if for no other reason than Nick, that you're a Bob Odenkirk fan, yeah. I, I know we've said this, you have to watch that show. I know, I'm in. I want to watch it. I want to watch Better Call Saul as well. I'm never watching either of those shows, but I do watch a lot of Star Trek. And that's a, <laughs> Star Trek, where do you get started? Same kind of thing, like just like Adventure Time, where do you get started? Mm-hmm. Star Trek, there really, truly is no answer. I don't, there's just a lot of it, yeah. and I can't think of like the episode that would get you hooked. You just have to be down for like a lot of bad episodes and a couple of good ones. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. In in a in a show that already has like a huge repertoire, it's like it's so it's self defeating to like try and find the perfect entry point. Um, and and I tried to watch Star Trek by starting like season one, episode one, like all the way from the beginning. I'm no. like, what no, the no, hell no. is happening? I did the same thing, <laughs> and I was like, okay, you fools. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just watch like season four of Deep Space Nine. Just jump in. You'll pick up on what's going on. It'll be great. The okay. themes are like the fascism is bad. So that's that's pretty cool for like a show yeah. in the 90s. That's awesome. The, the way that you also got into Adventure Time means that our format is perfect then. Because it's like just drop in, watch a random episode with someone you like, and you might get hooked. It's probably the best way. And even if like that episode, right, gives you an insight into Ice King, it's not... I don't know if you can really spoil Adventure Time because there's so much that goes into leading up to those moments and the backstory and everything that I think it's fine. I like this. I'm going to start recommend. We should recommend that as a way to get into the show for people. Yeah, I thought this format of going randomly would be a lot worse than it is and like funny as a podcast format, but it's it really is like the proper way to do this. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine doing a podcast of Adventure Time in order. No, we would not be able to talk about an episode like The Mountain for years. Yeah, it's, yeah it would be way too boring. Because like the first three seasons are honestly, it's just a children's show. And then season four, there's like two plot episodes. And then by season six, it's like all plot episodes. And it was a little heavy to watch. Yeah. Yeah, five and six get real gnarly. Um, I'm excited. We've So this podcast, we've been doing this for over a year. The last we've had... Obviously, like an exciting run of episodes since we started, quote unquote, season two, as we were calling it. Obviously, with the uh, Death Rosenstock episode, we had a bunch of other guests, Steve and Sean on. But and I'm Craig, I'm glad to have you here. Like, it's it's super fun. But like, this is the first insane Adventure Time episode that's just packed front to back with amazing shit to talk about that we've had in like weeks, if not months. Right, Eric? Like, this is an and at one, I'm I'm yeah. really excited to talk about. It's, it's a it's a it's a heavy episode, and this is an episode. So like a a year ago or something. Like I know you expressed interest in 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 doing the mountain with us, and I was like, oh, let's let's wait till we're all back in New York and the pandemic's a little bit easier, and we can all do it in person. And now this is the first week back that like we're <laughs> all having to do it remotely again. We're all back in New York. <laughs> we're all yeah. back in New York, but in our separate places. I mean, I appreciate that you reached out yesterday and we're like, hey, what if we just did a remote? I'm like, yeah, sounds good. We should probably try to not murder each other. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening this way in the future, it's December 19th as Omicron is like destroying New York right now. It's the worst way to learn the Greek alphabet. Yeah. (laughs) 
But what a great time to sit at home and rewatch your favorite episodes of Adventure Time. Yeah, so before I even, like, this podcast existed, I just would rewatch The Mountain. And I focus on the mirrors. What do the mirrors represent? I, I talked to my fiance about it. She's like, I don't, I don't like, she, she's really good at TV, but she's like, I don't know. They seem different for Lemon Grab and for Finn. Yeah. And then yesterday I watched the episode a bunch of times and I watched all the Lemon Grab episodes. I stay up to like 3 a.m. watching Adventure Time and taking notes yesterday. So I think I finally oh, got yes. the mirrors figured out. And I had a big revelation, a couple of revelations about this episode that I've watched a million times. Um, but the one I really didn't think about was that this is Lemon Grab 3. So like in the time, because when you watch right. it out of order, sometimes you forget these little yeah. subtle details. So like there's Lemon Grab uh, comes up in an episode with uh, you know, Princess Bubblegum made Lemon Grab and he comes in when Princess Bubblegum is too young to rule the kingdom. Um, later, she makes him a companion, Lemon Grab 2. And they're identical, but they're like a little different. And then there's the plot where they like, you know, just turn all their food into uh, can- uh, lemon people. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then like lemon grab one, like it gets really like big and like eats lemon grab two. Lemon grab two is kind of uh you know rebelling against that, and like lemon hope comes in, there's like all this stuff happening, and then the lemon grab in the mountain is lemon grab three, which is like lemon the big lemon grab explodes and Princess Bubblegum um kind of uh combines lemon grabs one and two into just one lemon grab. So lemon grab three, I think that's really important for understanding the mirror part of the mountain. I never could figure out the mirror part because I didn't have that context. Wow. That's incredible context to go into this episode with Eric. Let's hit that episode discussion theme. Let's, let's dive. Episode discussion. Yeah. So for those who are lot, you really got to watch this episode before listening to this episode. But I'll give you, or the- you don't, or you don't, or you can just play it chaotic neutral. You have to yeah. watch it. This is my favorite episode currently. Other favorite episodes I had, Sons of Mars, is my favorite for a really long time. But I think this overtook it just because there's so much happening, and you could like talk and think about it forever. Yeah, the Jesse Moynihan episodes, I think they age the best. Like in terms, of, like they're just they were so wild for the time but like given what has happened in human society since like the you know the six seven years since these episodes have aired like I, they just feel more relevant yeah. now I, and for culture some reason. <laughs> yeah it was like they were kind of prescient in in, yeah. a, in a way um just to give a high level summary I, I don't even know if you can really do this justice for this episode but lemon grab goes to a mountain where there's a character named matthew Finn follows him in to make sure that Lemon Grab doesn't isn't playing with any mysticism that he shouldn't be. Uh, and a bunch of surreal things happen before they happen upon Matthew, which is a bunch of consciousness is of people amalgamed into one thing, um, which Lemon Grab is contemplating joining before throwing the candy lemon johns, which are actually him into Matthew's mouth, thus destroying Matthew. All of these people are now full again in these, uh, very similar bodies. And as the mountain starts to crumble, Finn and lemon grab get out and lemon grab goes back to bed. I, <laughs> is that, yeah. that's, I know it's boring when I do that, but I, we do have a lot of non, uh, no, it's important. Yeah, watchers. 
Now we can talk about the fun stuff. Um, well, I, have some notes on your, I have some notes on your summary. Okay, hit it. Uh, so you <laughs> yeah. said the word mysticism, um, yeah. but in the episode, they actually say buku spooku. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of really good lines in this episode that I had to write down because I would not remember them. So uh, did I. Literally yeah. every scene or every frame of this episode is has something you could discuss. You also said that Lemon Grab was, uh, that Finn followed Lemon Grab because, uh, like, he didn't want Lemon Grab to mess around with, like, magic or whatever. But I would argue that Finn followed Lemon Grab because he needed something something to occupy his time because he was bummed about seeing his ex-girlfriend. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. So, here's something I, I saw an interpretation online that Finn suspects that Cinnamon Bun is actually dating Flame Princess. I could see that. And, yeah, and We've ta- Nick, you've sort of thought that before, but yeah, they have a very interesting relationship where it seems platonic, but they're pretty much life partners by the end of the series. Um, there is one thing we should bring up, Eric, in light of uh, last episode, we had a little mini cinnamon bun discussion, oh, yeah. which we were talking about, like what's going on with this character and everything. And Cat Burnside, our dedicated listener, <laughs> hit us up on Instagram and was like, "Hey." There's a story to mm. why lemon or why cinnamon bun is seemingly an oaf in Candy Kingdom and then different in Flame Kingdom is because he was undercooked and thus w- in in <laughs> half Candy baked. Kingdom half baked, half yeah, baked. I was say. <laughs> yeah and then he becomes fully baked as he goes into the Flame Kingdom and is with Flame Princess and thus is a more fully formed character and that blew our minds and was like how did we not realize that what an arc. Yeah. What an arc. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, but yeah, that's what happened with Cinnamon Bun. Uh, yeah, from like a comic relief character to like, I don't know if he's dating Flame Princess. I think that at this point in the show, they're probably really close friends, uh, Cinnamon yeah. Bun and Flame Princess. And I think if anything, Finn is just like jealous of that kind of attention or that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it never occurred to me that that the relationship was anything more than platonic, but I I, I can understand why Finn would like be weirdly suspicious and jealous of that, even though it's not obvious. Like yeah. he would take it to that that extreme. And it's that thing after you break up with somebody, and in the first couple times you see them, just out in the wild, you get zapped, and you're like, ah, <laughs> like that's kind of what I think was happening to him. So, are there any instances of Finn being mean to Simon Bun because of that? Not because of that. They definitely there was one of the we watched the creeps. Doesn't he basically sacrifice Cinnamon Bun in that episode? Oh, that's a little early on, though. I know. It's not. Pre-Flame Princess, right? Yeah, pre-Flame Princess. Yeah, I don't know. Creeps is a good episode, too. Yeah. I've rewatched that five million times also, but that's definitely top five for me, but not top one. Oh, that's where we're here. So it's also been a while since we've watched the Lemon Grab episode, which thank you for bringing that back. So great. I learned this week I was doing some digging on, on Jesse Moynihan's time on Adventure Time. And they were talking about how the way they got Justin Roiland on was that everyone in the writer's room and the animators and stuff were listening to his podcast and just loved his voice so much <laughs> that they were like, we got to get this guy on the show. Which means I got to go listen to Justin Roiland's podcast, which I've never done. Did you yeah, have the... I'm oh, sorry, Eric. I keep cutting you off. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's the, it's the, the latency. Uh, but yeah, I remember Justin Roiland saying that he was like super honored that somebody asked him to be on a show without an audition. Like they just straight up offered him the role. <laughs> and I guess that was 
uncommon. I, I mean, I don't know how that kind of stuff works. I mean, Adventure Time has like real voice actors on, and they have a lot of guest spots too. But yeah. I mean, Justin Roiland is like you know a supporting character in like the regular cast, um, and for the most part, it's not like celebrities doing just their regular ass voice because that's what a lot of animation is now. Um, <laughs> like it, it's real voice actors. And they just offered Justin Roiland a role without an audition, like alongside real voice actors. So, I, yeah, I guess that was significant. Yeah, it was. So we open and Lemon Grab's whole compound, his kingdom, is seems to be working very well. Like We've seen it in different states of operation throughout mm. the show. Sometimes it's like, as you were saying, Craig, is not operational and mm. things are breaking down. This seems like everyone's working in harmony and knows where they are. Everyone's being well fed. They're they're producing the the food, these lemon johns that everyone gets to eat, and lemon grab is fully taken care of. And I kind of think like in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, now lemon grab has fulfilled all of them. And as he's going to bed, he's now drifting towards the top of self actualization. I can see that. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. We we've seen the Lemon Kingdom in different states, and you have to remember where so this is Lemon Grab Three. I think this is the first time we're seeing Lemon Grab Three's kingdom. Um, right. An interesting note on Lemon John's because I rewatched all the Lemon Grab episodes. So Lemon John was a character. He was like the big, like he was like the house kind of lemon person thing. Oh yeah. And his yeah. and we could talk about this towards the end of the episode. So his last act, like his heart started beating and all that, was an act of kind of like individuality and self-sacrifice. So I wonder if like that kind of plays into why the, the Lemon Johns are such like a prevalent theme in the Mountain episode. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I think we see a, a lot of the uh, like this, this setup for introducing the Lemon Grab, Lemon Grab 3 in this episode involves like like an overview of his kingdom and like everything is very um circular like there's just like lemons making lemons that go to feed lemons mm -hmm. and it's just like a, a, this weird like circular uh just lemon cycle it, it, it's the sense of individuality there seems to get lost it's just like are these cannibals no that doesn't seem <laughs> right but like what is what is it's just it's all just lemons um so yeah it's to focus on individuality and, and on past character that that had that particular act uh, is an interesting contrast. Right. Um, and and as you, you see in this episode, everyone is fulfilling a certain function. It's sort of like a perfect society, caste system, capitalism, whatever you want to talk about. They're all there. And to the point where when the day is done and it's time for them to go to bed and Lemon Grab shouts lights out. They all just go to sleep right where they are, so kind of implying, <laughs> which is hilarious, but also kind of implying that where they are is their home. Like they are fully the person in that function, like being a guard or being somebody who's packaging the lemons or someone who's smashing the lemons. Like there is no individuality. Yeah, it borders on it, it. It seems close to like a hive mind kind of thing to me. Mm, yeah. It's like who? Who like where where are the brains behind this operation? Is it all does it all just come down to like actual lemon grab? Like are these individual lemon people like fully realized individuals, or are they just like parts of the whole? So that leads in the to lemon cycle. 
That leads to an epiphany I had last night, which is, are there parallels between Lemongrab and Matthew, the character we meet later, where there's two characters mm-hmm. where they have, like, kind of like servants who have given up their individuality to serve them and be part of them. So I never thought that until two in the morning last night when I was watching this. Wow, that is <laughs> a really great thought and breakthrough. And would really be like, why, what's triggering Lemongrab to go on this sort of journey is that he goes to bed and he's kind of discontent he can't sleep and goes and then feels the need to destroy Matthew ultimately as I said before and maybe at the same time having the epiphany that he needs to destroy himself and the system that he's created I don't know maybe that I haven't fully unpacked what it could mean but I mean it's interesting that like if he if he is a Matthew like figure why else would he have the story of Matthew right above his bed to look at every night right now, and that's what triggers this. So as Lemon Grab goes to bed, the lemon servants just sort of shovel him off into bed. He's sleeping on his lemon pillow and the lights go out. He looks up to his ceiling and sees uh, a, a painting on the ceiling, um, which is sort of like, who put this painting there? Is this, is this like something that he put up there so he could look at it every <laughs> night? Um, or was it bestowed upon him? Was it Princess Bubblegum? I don't No one know. You don't know. But it definitely has some meaning, and you get to see the paint. Craig, have you looked? I, I wish I had paused it because I wanted to really take in what this painting was. Do you, do you remember? When you pause it on Hulu, like all the Hulu stuff pops up and blocks yeah. the image. So, like after the third time of trying to get the perfect Hulu pause, I was like, uh, I think it's just, I think it's like the story of like what happens in the episode where like you go to the mountain and you see Matthew, and then you offer up something. Like it looks like. Uh, you know, we see lemon johns, but it's like a, I think it's like a little like pearl almost. I assume it represents like your ego or your soul or some kind of individuality. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Very interesting. So then he, there's a crack, right? Mm-hmm. There's some cracks that start to form in this painting, and he gets kind of perturbed by it, mm-hmm. and then sets out on his lemon camel, uh, and we don't know where yet, and then we get. A shot of Finn and Jake who are up getting ready to watch the stars. There's a celestial event about to take place in which two star constellations are going to fight. The dap of the heavens. They're not fighting. Oh, they're dapping. Oh. (laughs) I saw dap online. I always thought it was like tap of the heavens, but Adventure Time is really good at coming up with like fake slang that sounds cool to me. So dap of the heavens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I misheard it then. You're like Jake who also missed it. Yeah. (laughs) I know at that point I'm like, oh, lemon grabs not on screen. Okay, I can like mentally tune out for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Try to process what I, what have I, what have I been seeing? Uh, Yeah, and uh, yeah, then Jake comes up, and then they're looking out. Yeah, and that's when we see Flame Princess and Cinnamon Bun learning their dance routine. Um, And oh yeah, Jake with his dog ears hears something weird going on, which is why they. You're Yeah. His little dog ears. Again, I love when they reference the fact that Jake is actually a dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is and, he? And, <laughs> and then they get the uh, he they get the 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 binoculars and they see Lemon Grab going in there, and that's where Finn is like, "I want to make sure." What did he say? It's like it's like a baby playing with dynamite or something. He's that's yeah. Like, he uh, says something like that. that, but that's of course you know he's like ah, it's because I stopped playing princess and I want to distract myself with work. Yeah. And Jake's like, I can get down with that. Let's go. And turns himself into a hang glider. And they just glide on over to the mountain. 
some uh, good shape changing in this episode. I know sometimes in some of the later seasons that they lose it a little bit and they, they do eventually get it back. But like, I thought like Jake making his hand into like a, like a tube, like he's like a, you know, trying to like look closer, but he can't because it's just like his hand <laughs> yeah. is a tube. I just thought that was like a really funny gag. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get, they get to the mountain and they're going to go in and Finn gets in fine. But then Jake is blocked from being entered by a cloud person. The guardian. The guardian. There you go. Um, Um, Yeah, because... Oh, I was going to say, because uh, Lemon Grab has beeswax, and Finn has beeswax, but Jake has no beeswax. It's because Jake is so close to Death World 50. He's got got no beeswax left. He's just very content, and he doesn't really (laughs) overthink stuff and just kind of handles stuff. Something interesting happened that uh, we didn't discuss. So there's a lot of like talk of like Greece and like Lemon Grab as Greece or having Greece. When Finn sees Lemon Grab, he says like he calls some Lemon Grease. He's like, "What's Lemon Grease up to?" And I thought oh, it was yeah. so they slipped it in early. Like yeah, I thought it was interesting. That is, interesting. I I kind of missed like what that was in reference to, uh, but I guess somebody had been calling him names like in a previous episode, and they were calling him greasy or something Ooh, i don't think i've watched the one right before this in a while i might have missed that uh yeah i i i I was seeing a little bit about it on the wiki but yeah i guess um because when they go through the the portals like they're both uh lemon grab and finn are confronting physical deformities about about their their bodies and lemon grab is greasy and finn doesn't have his right arm um, but yeah, the grease thing, I, I, I don't know the full extent of it. I, I think it was, it was just like a, a body insecurity type thing that Lemon Grab has. Mm. But I don't know how deep it runs. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up Jake's contentness. We've talked about Jake's attitude, attitude towards death on this show a few times, which is almost disconcerting how okay he is with the concept of death. Maybe it has something to do with dog ears or so fast. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he, he doesn't have something to confront or go on this journey. What as what it could represent, which could represent a few yeah. different things. He's already there. Yeah. Um, and when you think about really a lot of like the spiritual development of these characters, it's almost always just Finn. Like, I don't think Jake really advances all that much in his character development throughout the show and for as much as the show focuses on finn and jake being best bros finn does a lot of his most important development alone without jake um that's interesting and i guess just because finn has more ground to cover yeah finn's younger because jake is a dog he's older um but they do address in the show like the fact that like jake is like kind of you know, like his kids are like, dad, what are you going to grow up and get a job? And they're like, you know how dad is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it, it'd be interesting if, if Jake's soul was younger and further away from achieving death world 50 Nirvana, uh, at the end of this life, would he have been a more responsible parent? Is, is his, uh, hmm. proximity to, you know, letting go uh, what's causing him to be negligent in, in his parenthood? I don't know. It's his flaw. Like, and they're all flawed characters. No one's perfect. But for Jake specifically, he's very chill. But as a very chill person, you miss things because you're not paying attention to everything all the time. 
It's true. But oh, it kind of it kind of helps him here because he he gets to just stay uh, <laughs> as Finn enters, and then we go catch up with Lemon Grab, who is inside the mountain. And the mountain, the way that the mountain is drawn, is awesome. Like the first time we see him, he's like yes. going going around. Know, yeah, the background art I noticed immediately. Like, whoa, this is really cool. It definitely a step up from the previous scene and from a lot of other episodes. Yeah, we're in a new a new space. And he's he's going around and then he's getting frustrated and a disembodied voice tells him to keep going, keep marching forth. And he does and then comes upon these three mirrors. Yes. Let's talk about the mirrors. I have been Let's dying to talk, talk about the mirrors. About <laughs> the mirrors. Craig, just go for it. Oh man, I've been thinking about this for like uh four years, five years. Okay. So this is, uh so Lemon Grab comes upon three mirrors. What do they represent? Okay, so we have three scenes. The first one on the left, he sees Princess Bubblegum, and she has a, a baseball mitt. And at the beginning of the episode, Lemon Grab goes to sleep with the baseball mitt in his bed, presumably because he's like nostalgic or that's like a familial relationship for him that he like is important to him. So uh, Princess Bubblegum has a, a like a baseball mitt, and she's actually like instead of a ball, she has another mitt she's throwing into it. Yeah. But I think it's just like a weird Lemon Grab thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, and she like, offers yeah, like, grab, like, like baseball mitts imply that a game of catch is going to happen. Yeah. <clears throat> but he still doesn't really understand what that means. Like he just understands that like like those two things are associated. <laughs> yeah, she's using another baseball glove like a baseball. So presumably <laughs> if the catch were to happen, they're throwing a glove back and forth into each other's gloves. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that means that Lemon Grab's never really played catch before. But so we see this yeah. and I thought like, what does that represent? Like... Uh, like relationships like the past like when i saw the three mirrors i'm like is it past present future but that doesn't make sense it can't be past present future but i was wondering maybe he was looking back to the past but we'll get to what i ultimately think i'm going to take you through my years-long journey of trying to figure out yes. these mirrors mean yes. do it so i got that yeah the middle one which is lemon hope returns to the lemon uh kingdom and everyone in lemon kingdom rejects lemon grab which he hates that's his biggest fear Kind of ironic, given the fact that Lemon Grab is pretty uh, not into being involved with the Lemon Kingdom at all. He like wanted to leave as soon as he could. He just cares about like freedom. So, but Lemon Grab's afraid of this. This could mess up everything for him. Everyone loves Lemon Hope. This kind of young musical Lemon Child. Uh, but I'm like, so that one. I'm like, is that like a future? So like maybe PB's the past and this is the future. But then the third mirror, the one on the right, which I never understood until last night when I realized that this is Lemon Grab three. The third mirror, it's Lemon Grab 1 and Lemon Grab 2, and they're playing with their, like, fake toy child named Lemon Sweets, and they were, like, they were, like, arguing over it, and they wound up, like, breaking it, which is, like, it's, like, what is, what could that mean? Like, like, it's not past, present, future. I really struggled, but out of uh, fear that, you know, he wanted to save his, like, fake child, he ran into that mirror. He didn't, like, make, he didn't, like, think about it and make a good decision. He just reacted. (laughs) It, It seemed to be the right choice. Um, and then do you want to talk about Finn's mirrors? I do. Yes. I want to yeah, say so. about, I, I had an, an, my, my, do you want me to hear my take on the yes. lemon grab mirrors? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was trying to think about it too. I was pulling up on Google charts of like the facets of the personality and none of it seemed to really link up for me where what I got out of it was sort of like different stages of a person's life. And it's the first one is his parents, the relationship with your parents and what that's all about and processing it. 
The second one would be Lemon Grab's personal ambitions and personal journey and what he hopes to accomplish in his life, which is be this supreme ruler and all the anxieties that go along with that. And the third mirror would be what he hopes to pass down and his child. So it's, I mean, I guess that's like a little more literal, but I started to think of like, these are kind of three different areas and phases of, of life and the challenges that go along with each of them. And, and lemon grab is, it's like, which one would you like to process and work through right now? Um, that's kind of how I took it. And then, yeah, instinctually he ran towards the child because needed something. Eric, did you have any, uh, um, the wiki refers to lemon sweets as his guardian angel. Mm. Oh, okay. Cause, uh, and Finn has the butterfly. So those are the guardian angels. I don't know if this is official or not, but <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's interesting, Craig, the way you're talking about it might be closer because when we talk about Finn's mirrors, like, as you said before, they don't line up with lemon grabs mirrors. Well, I could argue, well, I think they, they do. And they I think I figured do. it out, okay. but for years I've been like, they're just kind of different. So uh, should we do the Finn mirrors? Yes. Yes. Go. Okay. Us. So Finn's first mirror on the left is uh, he sees uh, Cinnamon Bun and Flame Princess practicing the dance routine that they were doing earlier in the episode. And Cinnamon Bun says, Finn, do you want to like wear like my skin and become me? Like you could do that. So like a closer relationship. Be me, with- bro. Be me. <laughs> it's so weird. What a, <laughs> like, but an interesting idea. I like how they like visually represented it. It's kind of horrifying. The middle mirror um, so I'm like, okay, the first mirror, ew, Princess Bubblegum versus Flame Princess. Okay, kind of interesting, but like different, very different relationships. Um, the middle one is, and this one threw me off forever. It's Jake and Bimo make Finn cakes, which are cupcakes that Finn gets to eat first, but Finn is not around. And like Bimo is kind of moving towards eating the cupcakes. Finn feels very left out, like feeling left out. Maybe that's what it is. Like. But it's like it's like way lower stakes than like Lemon Hope coming back mm-hmm. and like upending your life. In this case, we're talking about someone eating a cupcake. So this is like Snap totally lost with how these mirrors line up. And then the third one on the right is like an astral projection of a butterfly. And I think in a past life, Finn was a butterfly. Yeah, that that was the uh, the first version of his soul. Right. But so like, it's like Lemon Sweets, the first version of Lemon Grab's soul. Well, certainly not literally because it was just like a toy, but. Yeah, so do you want to hear what I think everything is to line it up all nice and neatly and free everyone from their mind presence? Please. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so the first mirror on the left, I think, means like choosing a better relationship. Because you have to remember, you're going to the Mountain of Matthew. It's like a cult kind of thing where you give up your Mm -hmm. individuality to be part of the cult. So they want to make sure you're going to fit into that. So the first one, a better relationship with someone in your life. And I put put in parentheses like romantic. Like, I don't know if Lemongrap has romantic feelings for Princess Bubblegum. But I don't know. I don't think it's out of the question. But Certainly yeah. familial. Yeah. Yeah. So better relationship with someone. Two, betrayal. I'm trying to come up with like the best word for it. But in both of those situations, even though the scale is totally different um, for, uh, for, for like Lemon Grab, he's betrayed by his people when Lemon Hope comes back. And for Finn, he's like kind of betrayed by his friends for eating a cupcake without him. I think the scale is so different on that. So I'm I'm still kind of thinking about it, but that's how I'm summing it up for now. So you have better relationship betrayal. And then the third one, which was always kind of the most obvious to me, uh, was like true self because of Finn. It's like literally his truest self. It's his simplest form. 
But for Lemon Grab, I can never line it up to that. But now I can because it was like Lemon Grab pulled apart, like, and caring about this, like, fake child they had. Like, that is Lemon Grab's, like, true essence was these two kind of competing, conflicting things, trying to care about something and ultimately having trouble working it out. So the mirrors are better relationship, betrayal, ego. Hmm. That's what I think. I could be wrong. I don't know. I came up with two in the morning. I really like that. And I liked how you talked about that this is sort of cult-like because we're going to get to that later on when we meet Matthew. But I also think about the from the cult documentaries that I've watched, the way cults prey on people. And they prey on people, first off, with flawed, a lot of times flawed familial relationships that feel something lacking, especially with their parents. And they don't have a figure. So these cult leaders take on this father figure role for a lot of the potential people to be taken in by this cult, which leads to number two, the betrayal, which a lot of these people come from broken homes. Thus, they don't have the the, the strong founding of familial relationship. They have been betrayed. They need somewhere they can feel trust, safe, and celebrated. And third one, the promise of the true self. And... I think, oh, we lost Eric. Eric. Eric's gone. Do we need Eric? We we do need Eric. Is that going to mess anything up? We're back from technical difficulties, Eric. Oh um, yeah, that was some definite technical difficulties. <laughs> um. Okay, I was in the middle of making a point when this all went to shit. We're talking um, about cults. We're talking about cults. Yes. So people with weak uh, relationships, no father figure, who have been betrayed or hurt, promise of the true self, and. That is how people are often taken into cults, and that is what the mirrors present to them. So that was just the parallel I was drawing. Yeah, I think we briefly brought up uh, confronting ego death in in the third mirror. To know the um, ecstasy of your own ego death. <laughs> I love that line. So many good lines in this episode. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I sort of had a little bit more of an interpretation along those lines for the first two mirrors and that like the first mirror was like, these, these are all things that like, that we think that we deserve, right? Like, um, like affection from, uh, someone who has been withholding, uh, for whatever reason, whether it was valid or, or otherwise, uh, would be the first one with princess bubblegum to lemon grab and then plain princess to Finn. Um, they desire affection from, from those people. Um, and then the second one to me was like someone else getting something that you think you deserve as ridiculous as the difference in scale is like lemon hope getting to rule the lemon kingdom and, uh, just BMO getting Finn's cupcakes. Um, but those are things that like are very ego driven. Like these are things that I want and I need and very self-focused, um, other people need to, you know, be putting their energy towards me um and they can't have my energy so then the the third 
mirror of ego death uh, is in contrast to, to that. That's how I saw it. Uh, just a little bit more streamlined. I didn't think too deeply about this. I was just like, whoa, some of this shit is fucked I've up. I've been thinking about this uh, for That years. was as like, quick of an analysis <laughs> as I could muster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. So Lemon Grab, go, as we said, goes into Mirror 3, where Lemon Sweets might be broken soon. And as he goes in, he's a really small version of himself, climbs up to Lemon Sweets crib and just naturally falls into Lemon Sweet's mouth and starts going through this black void and screams, I'm inside you, and lands on this yellow bumpy surface and is like like trying to figure out what's going on. And it's moving around. It's like pussing out. Um, it's, it's really weird. And then what happens exactly next? I, it's like a jumbled up version of images in my head. Uh, Craig, what what? So, yeah, so, like, uh, he gets his foot stuck, and it, like, geysers out, and then, oh, like, right. Matthew tells him to look up, and he's, like, on his own nose. Right, he almost, when his foot gets stuck, too, he almost chews off his own leg. Yeah, yeah, like that movie, it was, like, 127 days or whatever. Hours, yeah. <laughs> Which, to me, was, like, a little callback to, like, just the lemons eating lemons. And Ooh. This cycle of weird cannibalism. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe. Lemons also eat candy, though. But yeah, I guess they specifically eat lemon candy in this episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and he's kind of freaked out by being on his own nose. Like it, he screams like as Lemon Grab does and is is really like kind of freaked out by it. And then this is when Finn goes and sees his three mirrors. Mm-hmm. And as he's looking at the third mirror, this was interesting to me, too, with his three mirrors was as he's going to between mirror two and three. We go back to Lemon Grab, and Lemon Grab has decided to get out of the situation that he's in by squishing his head and having his pure essence explode out and go into the void. And he does that, and his like inner lemon juice self spirit goes into the void. And at that moment is when Finn's third mirror appears, and it's a butterfly for him to jump off on. I was almost like. It's almost like the third mirror might have been something different, but in that moment, the mirrors were kind of like, hey, dude, just go on this one because we need you to go handle this or something. <laughs> well, I had a thought talking about this that I hadn't considered before. I wonder if, like, Matthew set up the mirrors to kind of guide you towards the third one, which is your own ego death, to, like, kind of encourage you to join the cult. Because if you, if you think back to the earlier in the episode, Jake's not even allowed to go in because he doesn't yeah. have any issues. Right. Right. So he he wouldn't be susceptible to to this cult. Yeah. It would Yeah. He'd be like, "No, nah, I'm cool. I don't need any of this." Yeah. Dude, isn't there some show and, about how people join cults on HBO or something? I watched a lot of cult shows in the past year as I've had a lot of time indoors with streaming yeah. services. <laughs> and also think about I'm just, you know, obviously we don't even talk about Finn's issue with his dad and his parents. At this point, we don't know Finn's dad, do we? Have we met him? Yeah. Okay. Okay. We, yeah, he's. We freed him from from weird galactic prison, and so then we, he just sort of took off anyway. Yeah. So Finn's need for a father figure is 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 intact, like, and we know that. Um, and much of the same way, obviously, Lemming Grab feels about Princess Bubblegum. Um, so yeah, it might be leading you towards that third one. And when Finn sees the butterfly, there's no question as well. He just instinctually runs on and 
he gets on the butterfly and then he's on his own arm. Like we kind of know what's coming and we're like, hey, he's on his own arm. But Finn's reaction is very different than Lemongrad, where Lemongrad shrieks and is trying to figure out what happened. Finn starts running, looks up, realizes he's on his own arm, and is like, whoa, whoa. whoa. And, then, and then he's running up and he's like, and he runs off his own arm and is running in the void. And he's like, huh, this is cool. And just keeps running. Like he's really unfazed. And that was interesting to me because it's like, okay, maybe Finn is a little bit more developed than we gave him credit for, or Matthew would think. He, I don't know. I think he has less. Okay. So that whole scene to me is all about like getting away from your physical body, like maybe having issues with your body and just forgetting it. So mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. because like lemon grab also, you, you said juice. I think it's grease. I'm, I'm oh, gonna, grease. It's yeah. It's all about grease that, in this episode. It is the grease. grease. Lemon yeah. grease. Um, but, and then an interesting thing was Finn, when he, when he goes into that, you see he's missing his arm, which it's yeah. a big thing in all of adventure time. Sometimes Finn has an arm. Sometimes it's a different kind of arm or a robot arm or a sword or whatever. But in this vision, no arm, but in the episode, he has his arm, he has both arms. So it's interesting that for just this piece, there's no arm. Yeah. His arm had been ripped off at the beginning of season six, uh, but the flower made it grow back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and- that, that was in the episode breezy. I think if I recall correctly, which I think is another wild Jesse Moynihan episode. Um, yeah. That'll be a good one to review. Is that eventually. the one that's like kind of about consent? Is that for the breezy one? I, I think so. It's, it's the one with um, the bee and the Royal jelly. Yeah. It's like, little, is that what the one where like Finn hooks up with uh, uh, Lumpy space princess? Is that a different episode? Ooh, it could be the same episode. I, I've, I, this has been an episode that's like stuck in my mind is like, that's an important one and it gets really wild, but I can't remember any specifics. Like when we get to it, <laughs> I know it's going to be a good one to watch again, but it, it's, I can't pin down in my memory what happens in an episode. I know it's important. I know it's a, a real precursor to, uh, the Prismo episode is—is mm-hmm. is that you? Where they get the fin sword, uh, which is maybe my favorite episode. Um, yeah, that's a cool one. And of course, in this episode, the mountain fin has his fin sword. Yes, mm-hmm. and it plays a a big part in it. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. You were talking about this. I was listening to this Jesse Moynihan video, and he was talking about how in season six he felt like by the end of it he had sort of shot his wad, like he had put out <laughs> the yeah. the biggest. Like his big ideas that he had, not just about the show, but also creatively, he just funneled into the show and just went as big as he could, uh, which, hey, mission accomplished. Like <laughs> he got him out there. Uh, but I really like that because you're talking about this space being about the physical body and it's like and the issues you would have with your own body, which obviously Lemon Grab has. But it's very interesting that Finn, they're they're showing him without the arm, which is what he would be self-conscious about mm-hmm. within his own body, but he's not really self-conscious about it. I just thought that was a, an interesting little twist there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think he, I think it's, it, he's because the fact that it showed up shows that he's self-conscious about it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but yeah. it's less of a journey for him than it is for lemon yeah. which right. I think sort of plays into why lemon at the end is willing to, like are initially willing to like throw in with Matthew and Finn's like, nah. <laughs> yeah. So we the next scene is they are inside the mountain, presumably near the top. 
Mm-hmm. And Finn comes up now donning a white robe. And Lemon Grab is up in a white robe right towards the edge of this cliff inside of this mountain that maybe is a volcano or whatever. And there is is Matthew. That's the, the scene top of the mountain of Matthew. The top of the mountain of Matthew. And um doesn't fit immediately go like, what's going on? What is this place? And we get like a nice little succinct, direct uh, explanation. What is it, Craig? What, is, what does Matthew say or Lemon Grab say? Um, there are some interesting things said around uh, like getting there and all of that. Like, I think at one point, Lemon Grab on his body says, you want to humiliate me? Which like, I, I think the answer is yes. Like they, they, or he just feels insecure. He interpret, interprets it that way. Matthew asks Finn like why he's so against him. Finn says like some stuff Jake said that I interpreted as negative, which I thought yeah. was interesting and very reflective. And then yeah, Matthew explains his biz where he explains that there's a couple of things that were interesting. He says that all the people there uh, who are part of him have distilled themselves to their original source materials and now exist in oneness. And then he also explains his ultimate vision, which is uh, he like talks about like the second age of terror when he will emerge in his final form and restore the world. So those are both very interesting. So one, everyone gave up their individuality to be part of Matthew. And two, and I feel like maybe there's not a lot of exposition, and this is why I watched the episode five million times. Um, it's like a far away, like cults often have like, oh, and in the future, aliens are going to come down and bring us back to wherever, or, you know, it's just something like that. So like, yeah, there's this like far away promise that you have to be part of my thing if you want to be on the good side. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I think that I, from what I've seen, there is like a kind of not so subtle biblical reference. There's a, a quote from Matthew that's like about the second coming of Jesus. Oh, but he calls it the second coming of terror. Is that what you're getting? Yeah. At? Yeah. Um, which, you know, pretty easy to make that connection. <laughs> not much of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't think about it as a, I, I was only thinking about cults, but I guess organized religion is up for the, uh, the criticism here as well, well. we can certainly argue that it's the same, but you yeah, know. <laughs> we could, we definitely could. Uh, so then doesn't, um, this is where we get that great line from lemon grab, right? Which is like, he's asking him to forfeit there to join Matthew. And, um, I think Finn's like lemon grab. Are you really thinking about this? And he says, it's one option. Yes. And one option lay out- to know the ecstasy of my ego death. Yeah. But it, it's weird the way Finn talks to him about it. Cause he doesn't like, cause at the end of that conversation, Finn trails off. Like so he says, but you're and lemon grab says like, I know, but like, like, I don't know what the question was or what the answer. Yeah. Was. Yeah, exactly. He goes, but you're, is it, is it to imply that since he's a candy person or that he's a replica or something that he's less than, or doesn't have a soul to be given? That could, could be a, a central part of that. Like he's, is lemon grab real or is he just, at this point, simulacra. Right. I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. He's a tulpa. Like, he has, he, he is, he is merely but a, like a, a regurgitation of an original being and thus doesn't have something are we of, all? like a soul to give. Are we all just recreations <laughs> of original beings? It's a good point. Certainly the um, candy people are. Yeah. Well, so I, this, this might be miscellaneous mania, but it's pertinent to, to this formal episode discussion also. So uh, I was looking at uh, Justine Moynihan's blog, 
which I have access to because I am one of his Patreon supporters, nice. but I don't keep up with it because it's like so weird and unfocused and he runs it on his website and not on any sort of social media and it's like impossible to follow and his website is so antiquated and it's <laughs> but a lot of interesting thoughts that he writes about and there was an entry from when this episode aired that he talked about a lot of his thoughts on on, on what this was and he specifically was entertaining the discussion that like Television in particular should be able to exist as a medium of art that does not rely on exposition. Uh, and he thinks that, you know, books and movies in particular do a really good job of not holding the audience's hand throughout the entire narrative. Uh, but for some reason, television shows, whether they are for kids or adults or whoever, uh, there's just so much just dialogue exposition. The characters say what they feel, what they want to do, and then they go do it. And it's it's very direct. And he thought that there was a sense of ambiguity missing in television. Uh, so he wanted to do an, an episode or a lot of episodes that you don't necessarily always know what the characters are thinking or what they're feeling or what their desires are. And that's okay. And it's like, for some reason, we're trained to expect that in television, you know, be, be it episodic or serialized. Uh, but there, there are just moments in this episode where you don't get the inside glimpse of to what Finn is thinking. Like, he doesn't just say it like, you know, he, there's, a, there's a lot of instances in the show where Finn just sort of narrates what he's doing, what he's thinking. And for no reason other than to just tell the audience. Uh, it's totally like it serves no diegetic purpose for the scene other than to just let the audience know. Um, and he was specifically trying to break away from that. So yeah, there are some confusing moments that like you really just have to make your own interpretation. Uh, and yeah, that, 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 that exchange between Finn and lemon grab, I was like, there's something underneath the surface and we are not privy to that. <laughs> and I think that's the point. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for telling me about that. I never would have known, but it makes perfect sense. And and I think uh, he's right in that. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, why do you make television? Like, why is there a lot of exposition? It's to make it more uh, accessible. I think television, maybe more than like books or movies, uh, people generally have a more casual relationship. Like, I just want to turn this on and watch whatever and unwind and not think about it too much. But I can also appreciate like, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. It could be a cool art form. And the shows that, you know, I rewatch a million times are shows where people took risks or weren't always obvious or didn't resolve anything. And I'm still thinking about them, you know, years later. Yeah, I think uh, television uh, generally is or has a linear format, whether whether you're dropped in uh, somewhere on that line versus like an another place that makes sense. Like it, events progress linearly. Um, yeah. And that makes us want to like understand the direction of where things were coming from and where they're going. Uh, whereas like something that exists like, uh, just as its own thing, like a movie or something like you don't necessarily need a linear progression of events. Like you can live in that moment for an hour and a half as a film or something. And you don't really get that opportunity with television. Um, 
Yeah, and, and I, that's not necessarily what people want television uh, as viewers. Um, we say movies too. I mean, we're on our like 400th Spider-Man movie. I heard the new one is good, but I I probably won't see it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm gonna have to see it just so I can keep using the internet. <laughs> Someone tried. I to, already... So I tweeted as a joke from the Cold Dark's Twitter account. I said, I "I'm not gonna spoil <laughs> the Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man movie, because I haven't seen it and I don't know anything about it." It was a joke, like because people were worried about getting spoiled. Harmless joke. Someone messaged the band that we don't follow all the spoilers from the movie. And I'm so glad I saw it first because I'm the only member of that band who's like not really, really looking forward to it. Like, oh, and I, I can't even tweet like what kind of psycho just goes around trying to like spoil movies on Twitter because if I do that, we're probably gonna get more psychos trying to spoil it on Twitter. Yeah. So that was just a crazy thing that happened to me. And What a jerk. Yeah. Whoa. Well, I'm, I'm definitely interested in it, but like not so interested that I have to see it opening weekend. Like if it was up to me, like maybe I would like... I would probably just wait for it to go on Disney Plus. Yeah, just let me know what the spoilers are because I want to see if this guy actually did spoil it or if he was just trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> the last, the, the animated Spider-Man thing was pretty cool. I like that. Oh yeah, I've only heard good things. Yeah. Oh, but, and did you hear? There's a new Spider-Man uh, animated show happening. Um, that's being uh, developed by um, Jeff Trammell, who is one of the main writers on Craig of the Creek. Ooh, Gregor the Creek, so heavily guess, influenced by Adventure Time, so it all ties together. Yeah, yeah. And we have direct confirmation on that. <laughs> Woo. Nice, um, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. But the, I, I do want to, at the risk of sounding pretentious, I, I'm talking about comfort TV, and mm-hmm. sometimes you just want something that gives it all to you, and I, I can I can dig that. But uh, yeah, I'm not trying to make myself sound smart River. But in life, you don't know what the hell's going on a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So I kind of uh, like shows or something like an episode like The Mountain, where you don't exactly know what's going on, but like I know the characters, like the comfort, but also the confusion is feels so good to me. Uh, it is yeah. sort of like the best feeling of TV. Depends what you're in the mood for. You know, sometimes you want to listen to the Ramones, and sometimes you want to listen to the Clash. Yeah. <laughs> And nothing, those are the only options. Like, I was in a chill <laughs> mood and I put on, um, uh, talking about Jeff Rosenstock, I put on Get Warmer by Bomb the Music Industry. And I was like, I'm not in the mood for this right now. This is very chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> I switched to Lucy Dacus. I need something that's, uh, you know, a little, little chiller vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think Adventure Time opens up a little bit more, uh, to, to just sitting with some moments rather than progressing a storyline. Um, even, like within an episode um one of the things jesse monahan was talking about was like the first four seasons in particular which are just episodes progressed with a lot of exposition uh it was a kid show first three seasons it's just a kid show i mean there's some cool stuff it's like fun if you're like a college stoner or whatever but like that's really all it is until season four and we get in my opinion like two plot episodes and then after that like i am hooked like i pretty much watched adventure time exclusively sober just because i'm like i need to understand everything that is happening yeah you want to pick it up it's, <laughs> it's worth it um uh, do you want to get back into my, uh my, my second favorite line in the episode yes okay great so before um Fleming grab decides to kill matthew or maybe that wasn't his intention i don't know he says one of the coolest lines in the whole show and maybe it's a biblical reference i don't know my knowledge of the bible kind of ends after the old testament 
<laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, that's why I didn't pick up on the Jesus thing either. But uh, Lemon Grab says, if you are the head that floats atop the ziggurat, then the stairs that lead to you must be infinite, and infinite stairs are unacceptable. And then he throws Lemon Johns at Matthew. Lemon Johns could represent Lemon John, who was a very kind of, you know, he gave his selfless, he, his Lemon John's last act was individual. And this is kind of like an individual act, like throwing the lemon essence there. Also, Lemon John's not just like the grease. So I don't know, maybe that represents something. And then Matthew explodes into all of his cult followers. One of them jumps off a cliff. This is like a kid's show, kind of. One of the followers immediately jumps off a cliff when he's under. Yeah. That's like so dark. I didn't notice that. Yeah. But that's amazing. Like he grasped freedom for just a moment. He just jumps off. Okay. He lost the comfort of being part of this collective because, you know, and they talk about the ecstasy of oh. my own ego death. Oh, there's, and, hmm? oh there, so there's that. Inter- I, okay. I, I just immediately interpreted it as he's free and he wants to just end himself because like he w- didn't want to go back to being part of the collective. Oh no, I view it very much as he's lost this collective identity and he has no idea what to do and he immediately unalives himself as the kids say. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's yeah, he's lot like he's like if I can't be a part of that, if I can't be Matthew, I don't want to go back to being my own self. So, I have a little I have a little summary I wrote um about the episode. So, I wrote this probably uh at 3 in the morning last night. Um <laughs> Among other things, this episode is about searching for some kind of enlightenment and becoming part of a group and ignoring who you actually are, which is certainly one approach. Lemon Grab's ultimate problem is he basically says that it's fake. It's something you're always working on and infinite stares are unacceptable. And then ultimately to have ego is to suffer. So that's some stuff I, I like got that. from this kid's show that this is from this episode that aired like a while ago. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and to finish the the plot summary, right? So after this happens, they all start. All the people who've who've come out of Matthew and are now there, they all look the same. They're all wearing the white. Yeah. They all start going after Lemon Grab, and like they're gonna kill Lemon Grab, and then the mountains disintegrating, and they they run out of there, and um, Lemon Grab is able to go home, and he looks up at the painting of Matthew where that crack is, throws some lemon johns in it, and is able to go to sleep. The Lemon Johns, which represented the thing that destroyed Matthew, are also the thing that can complete the drawing of Matthew. There's one more thing that happened, though. Sorry, I kind of got excited. And it, no. I get very excitable. Um, as they're leaving, um, so the, the Guardian, even though Matthew has exploded, the Guardian still exists. So I guess it's like kind of a similar entity. Right. Um, and he was about to tell Jake why Jake was not allowed into the mountain. And then... Lemon Grab takes Finn's Finn sword, also a symbol of individuality, and uses that to destroy the Guardian. So both Matthew and the Guardian were destroyed by what could be symbols of uh, individualism or ego. Yeah. Now, now, one thing, question about the Finn sword. Yeah. When when Finn is talking to Matthew, he is like Matthew. He says like I Jake told me some stuff that I interpreted as negative, mm-hmm. and Matthew says, does, "Well, does that feel right to you?" And as Finn looks into the Finn sword, the Finn in the sword says no to mean that it doesn't sound right, which then leads him to be open. Now, that's interesting, right? Especially with your interpretation of the symbol of individuality being what destroys Matthew. Why was the Finn in the Finn sword open to Matthew? That's a really good question. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Maybe he has to figure it out for himself and he shouldn't be relying on something that jake said 
there's there's probably some deeper analyses that that can go into the fin that lives in the sword because that's right. who eventually becomes fern yeah right and that's not always the most true or direct version of fin there's like a grass demon influence there so i don't want to discount that i mean that could ultimately no, mean like we're based you know how we're like nurtured can affect who we are mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting i had another interpretation of this um episode and i was consuming some other culture this week which tie right back into this and obviously are extremely close to this episode one being that i would rewatch the midnight gospel this past nice. week and a half nice mm, Love midnight which gospel. is which is great jesse moynihan is the lead art director for the show An incredible show and i was watching an essay on youtube about it and they were talking about the way that the ep- the episodes go, they obviously all tie together and there's a main journey for the main character, Clancy, voiced by Duncan Trussell. And what they kind of say in this, as is the journey of the character in there, relates to this episode and that Clancy is someone who is unhappy with his current life and g- dives into the world of self-actualization, trying to figure spirituality, trying to figure out who he is. And is going so far into that life that he's ignoring what's happening in his normal life. And when you do that, that's that's not an ultimate answer because in Buddhism, I guess there's like the two sides of the coin, which is the spiritual self and the actual physical, like living human self. And there you have to hold both um at the same time. And at the end of it, Clancy sort of realizes before things go awry that he needs to live with both and thus giving away the, the, the physical, who he is, the person kind of killing this or the ego death while might feel great. Isn't an ultimate answer because that's part of the experience of, of being yourself. Um, and I feel like that's similar here, which is like, look, you could join Matthew and know the ecstasy of ego death and leave your, your meat body. (laughs) But that's not an ultimate answer as we see too, for the people who are in there, like a person leaves that and is willing to kill themselves right away. Like that's not the best way to go forward. And another piece of media, which has been discussed in this podcast, but has a very similar theme is the movie, the Holy mountain. Um, I don't know if either of you've ever seen the Uh Holy mountain. Um, it's this movie, um, it's based on a podcast that uh, Duncan Trussell did. No, no, but it's is this came out in uh, the seventy uh, one or two. It's mm-hmm. by Alejandro Jodorowsky, and it's like a classic weirdo uh, art movie. The Beatles produced it. There's actually a couple visual references to the movie in placed in Adventure Time and, and key moments. Um, but it's very based off of uh, all the, everything in this whole arena that we're talking about. But it's a very interesting movie and it's all wrapped up in religion and especially in the early 70s there are a lot of these gurus going around mm-hmm. promising enlightenment and and uh and actualization and the main character almost looks like Jesus and then meets uh, a guru and all these things but at the end of this movie they need to go on a pilgrimage to the holy mountain and as they get to the holy mountain spoilers as they get to the holy mountain the main character who's this, the Messiah, the guru calls out that this is all just a movie and that, and they break the fourth wall and they go, 
you do not need to seek um like enlightenment or anything from another person or guru like it's all like bullshit like you just need to be yourself and have your own self-actualization now this is uh something that's i know i'm going on a bit of a tirade here but it is a uh, referenced in the adventure time canon and just a bunch of these different influences and i kind of took a similar meaning away from this episode which is yeah, you might be having a lot of these different things in your life that are causing you anguish, be it existential, be it relational, be it whatever. But the answer is not to sort of disassociate or leave behind, but to hold those struggles with you as part of who you are. And that's like the ultimate way forward. I agree. <laughs> okay well i think that goes back to uh what lemograph said uh that kind of approach sometimes is an infinite stairs approach and infinite stairs are unacceptable it's true yeah and it's interesting that he said infinite stairs are unacceptable and says that to matthew who's kind of offering a solution to the infinite stairs in a way like just join me and leave behind it so I don't know what to do with that. He is, but cults are ultimately about exploitation, whether on purpose or by accident. You have a bunch of members who give up their individuality and you kind of rule them. It's like a bit authoritarian, no matter how it's presented. I don't know, like the fact that they were all like wearing the white robes and had no hair when they separated from Matthew kind of reminded me of uh, the Heaven's Gate documentary I saw recently. Where they yeah. all like shaved their heads and like gave up their individuality. They even like changed their names and wore very plain clothes. Um or maybe they had the same yeah. haircut. I can't remember. Yeah, I think they did. That that's a good point. So it's almost like in that moment, Lemon Grab is seeing through the facade of Matthew, potentially, and calling what he is propagating as the uh, the the unending stairs or whatever. Um, infinite stairs. Infinite <laughs> stairs. Yeah. Oh man, Eric, do you have any thoughts you want to lay on us? we covered everything that i could think of this is a heavy one yeah but it is interesting because like i did see some reviews like when this came out in 2015 and things and there are people who are like this is i think it was the av club were kind of being like this is hard to follow or i wish i knew what the hell was going on kind of getting at that it feels a bit random but it doesn't really feel like a random episode to me this doesn't feel like random humor no there's a thread. There's a thread and it's hard to follow. But again, we're saying the intent here is not to make this an easy to follow piece of media. If you want that, you can watch season, you know, the first three seasons. This is to give you something to think about. Like, what do the mirrors represent? You know, what is Matthew? Like, why is Matthew bad? You know, why do they kind of choose to be individual and have egos when that's still painful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah. I think I had, we have one line I really like from the episode we didn't touch on. Which is just Hit funny it. to me. What is um, it? Let me find it. I think it's like when Lemon Grab like first enters the mountain of Matthew and he's trying to find Matthew and figure out what the heck to do. And he he yells a threat, which is so funny. He yells, prepare to be served in a picture by a little child. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Who would ever say that? Like, what are the implications? It's just very silly. Very Lemon Grab. <laughs> yeah, I love Lemon Grab's weird jumbled up view of the world 
Uh, oh, and there was one other thing I, I I read about that was interesting about like lemon like the so the third mirror of lemon grab it's the two like lemon grab one and two and they're fighting over lemon sweets which is odd because they both care so much about lemon sweets. Someone said it like this episode before that one of the Grable's episodes. There's a Grable with lemon grab and they said yeah. that like Princess Bubblegum was doing experiments on lemon grab and that was like before that incident or I think that actually happens in that Grable. So I wonder how much Princess Bubblegum influenced that sort of like very traumatic event. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, the iconic mm-hmm. uh, "We hate you" moment of playing with lemon sweets is from that Grable's episode. Um, yeah, I forget what Princess Bubblegum's role was in in, in there. And that Grable—that's the one where was it Mr. Fox is running, or and is that and comes, that's the one where Mr. Fox. Uh, has that depression that yeah. he says you need oh. to earn? <laughs> Very emotionally intelligent show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's interesting when you when you think about what the extent of Princess Bubblegum's influence over the people and the things that she has created. We we know that she sees a lot, and we know she knows a lot, and is always keeping an eye. But to go to that extent of maybe manipulating things to let's not beyond her, especially as she sees, like she's talked about how fucked up lemon grab is. And <laughs> so she's like, maybe if I can orchestrate a few moments, it'll set him on a more correct path. We could argue that ultimately happened because lemon grab three is the most stable of all the lemon grabs. Yeah. And, and the lemon grab castle is in its best operation. The people there are seemingly happy, even though, they live these weird lives. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess this is as good as we've gotten so far. <laughs> I'd be pretty happy if my whole day was just like turning a crank and then the lemon candy comes out. And I know, oh, I'm making food for people. And that's my life. Yeah. I make food for my community and we're all the same. We have a common goal. Yeah. I'm sure they sing lemon songs. Oh, God. I'm sure they're terrible. A lot of screaming. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Justin Roiland getting cast. This is pre-Rick and Morty. So did you both have the moment where you were watching Rick and Morty for the first time and you're like, where do I know this voice from? And then someone's like, oh, it's Lemon Grab. I actually watched Rick and Morty before Adventure Time. Oh, you, you missed this maddening moment of like, why is it familiar when Morty screams? Right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was a latecomer to Adventure Time. I think I I tried watching it for the first time in 2013 mm-hmm. and only made it like several episodes into the first season and did not meet lemon grab yet. Uh, and when I've finally revisited it to like really watch the whole thing, it wasn't until, um, 2018. Yeah. I, I watched the first two seasons literally like week as they were coming out and whatever year that was oh eight nine, And then I took a break and my friend Mara, who's been on the podcast showed me the iconic, we hate you lemon sweet and i was like this is where the show goes and then she told me about ice king and i was like all right i need to go back and watch some episodes so See, they're, kind they're of like big a- hooks what what's yeah. the deal with ice king what's the deal with lemon grab like i want to know more and i'll watch like 20 episodes in a row to learn more there's a lot to learn for sure i also had a gap like i watched it for a while and then i, I fell off in like seasons like six, six or maybe seven Fell off for a bit, and then uh, yeah, I came back to it, and like I like I loved how it ended and everything. And the HBO show is interesting too. I don't know if you've checked that out. Mm-hmm. 
The Distant Lands? Every, every like four to five months. It's almost like a Jeff Rosenstock album. Every four or five months, they're like, here's a complete thing for you to enjoy. Like you get, yeah. no, or you didn't even like hear it came out or like, oh, I love this. And then it's like pretty good. Yeah. And then as you dive into it more, you're like, wait, this is actually better than I thought it was. <laughs> That's a, And you're like, this is, wait, what? This is, this is deep. Uh, yeah. Cause there's so much of it. I, I, I kind of like, I think that's a good way to go about appreciating anything, like space it out, give it a little room to breathe and percolate and come back refreshed. Um, yeah. it's not really how I operate. I know you go through it. Rage. Yeah. You're never going to get into Star Trek if something. you're just starting from the beginning because Star Trek always I, I, has bad first seasons. I know. I know. That's why, that's why I'm never going to get into it. <laughs> okay. I love it, but it's a little uneven. Mm-hmm. Um, should we play? Did you see the snail? All right. Nick, did you see the snail? No, no I did not see, I the snail. See, I see the snail. Craig, did you see the snail? No, but you know what I love about this podcast is whenever you hear a podcast and you hear the music, you imagine someone else does it. But whenever I hear this podcast, I'm like, Eric wrote the song and I imagine you like producing it and like, I don't know. It's like fun for me. Like I, I, Eric made this. This is awesome. I don't know. I like that. It. It's like a nice kind of like home touch sort of thing. I don't know. Uh, well, thank you. It. Eric, Eric, did you see this now? No. Where's this now? So fuck us. Right. Yeah. Let me think about this. Did do you know where this? What did you look up where the snail was, or is that we just have to guess? We we've been we don't kind of, yeah we don't usually look it up if we don't see it. It's just left to the unknown. But there is a bank of where it is online. Should I look it up this time, Eric? No, no. It's, we don't need we don't need narrative handholding. We can leave some things for interpretation. We don't have to have a definitive <laughs> understanding hey. of everything in this episode. I have two guesses where the snail would be though. I, Cause I bet it's like, oh, I guess I have three guesses. One is in one of the weird body scenes, but I don't think it's that. I think it's probably after Matthew or the guardian explode. I bet there's like a snail hidden for like a second. Yeah. I, I usually find the snail to be somewhere mundane. Yeah. Like if there's something like really cool happening on screen, they don't, they wouldn't put the snail there. It's usually like, in an establishing shot like the first time they visit a room or something and like there's just lots of little random background details um and like they haven't done any in, anything interesting in that room yet they just like walk in there mm-hmm. and the, the snail's in a corner or something once they start doing interesting things they don't they don't throw the snail in okay that's that's my uh just observation over the last how many episodes 68 episodes Oh, how many, so bummed that I don't get to be episode 69. That would have been so nice. <laughs> Next, very nice. Next week, we've got it. We've got a very special 69 episode picked out for the next episode. We might have to take a week off for Christmas, but it'll come. Okay. Just, it'll come for 69. Can you, you know? preview what episode uh, you're going to cover in, in episode 69? Yeah. Well, we've, we've been talking about it. We've been hyping it up a little bit. We're probably going to do a Tree Trunks episode. She's the horniest of all the Adventure Time characters. <laughs> I mean, I maybe Lumpy Space Princess. I think. Uh, it's yeah, but actually, but but Tree Trunks actually like follows through and like has sex. And 
She's on and her third. Lumpy husband, space right? is unrequited. Like I don't know if she actually really ever like like fucks, but we know that tree trunks fucks to because and this episode we're gonna do is just high strangeness is when she has her alien husband and she has her alien children because she's been having this affair with aliens like once a year, I believe it is. And it doesn't even seem like it's one alien, but she goes up there and there's multiple aliens that she's hooking up with and giving birth to children up there, (laughs) which are half elephant, half alien. So we're going to talk more about that in episode 69, everybody. Sometimes Adventure Time is the scariest show. (laughs) Something with anything with aliens like that or like the was like the, the little girls with like the black hair. Or like the, oh yeah yeah that that episode is legitimately creepy and then like the creeps before they explained it we had years between the creeps and when they explained what like Finn saw in that room before he put it in the vault right yeah years so for years yeah. I'm like scary things are real in Adventure Time we'll never know what it is yeah well uh okay so we're the, let's see Miss Lady Mania for this episode yeah before we before. Did you, did you pause it? Yeah. Yeah, before, hey, if you're listening, and uh, go rate us five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts. Go follow us. You can give us a dollar a month at anchor.com. Uh, steal your mom's phone if you're listening to this over Christmas and give us five stars. <laughs> steal her credit card information and tax ID and have fun. Hack into your mom's give Bitcoin money. wallet. Send money directly to Eric. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he knows what to do with it. Who is the courage to send Eric one Bitcoin, which I think is worth like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars? Yeah, oh, well, I more think than that. Today it's even up; it's up to like fifty or six. I actually just bought some more the other day. You fucking nerd! I don't know any cryptocurrency, but I love following it. It's very interesting. Just you know, the thing is with cryptocurrency. Welcome to our cryptocurrency podcast. Crypto yeah. um, <laughs> is that we already have fake money. It's called money. Why do we have? Why have, we added extra steps? We added extra steps. Stocks weren't fake enough for you. You have to like make another thing. Yeah, I, I think that there is. Oh, it's forty six thousand today. For Bitcoin price. Oh wow! I just about Bitcoin like four years ago. Forty six thousand. But no, I think that there is an existential threat against the concept of money, and people are kind of afraid of this overtaking it because it would show how empty the institution of money was to begin with, and especially the U.S. dollar, which we place so much faith in. I think know. the governments are just going to regulate Bitcoin like or cryptocurrency, like actual money, and it will all be for naught. But, you know, whatever. Optimism, adventure time. Yeah, it was, Russia kind of <laughs> did that. We'll see. But uh, Oh, I had uh, one more interesting adventure time thought. You have all these segments, but I don't shut up. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm like steamrolling all of your beautifully <laughs> crafted segments, and I just keep talking about things. No, we, we steamroll them ourselves pretty often, so it's fine. <laughs> it's the nature of a good conversation. But I, uh, to tie in um, Star Trek and Adventure Time, there's the Pahoy episode, which is voiced by Jonathan Frakes. Um, and that's ba- it's, it's the whole episode of Pahoy. It's just there's a Star Trek The Next Generation episode uh, called The Inner Light, where it's the same thing, where Picard lives like a whole lifetime in like a span of a few seconds. And then uh, in Pahoy, it's like the same kind of thing, where Finn lives this like pillow lifetime in the span of a few seconds. But the weird thing is Jonathan Frakes has publicly said that he hates the inner light. So it like really messed with me that he did basically that same episode for Adventure Time, but he hates that episode. I don't know. I think about this sometimes. <laughs> That's a heavy episode. That'll that- be a good one when we get to it, whenever we randomly stumble upon it. And how many episodes do we have left? 215 or so? 
Yeah. I'm excited for the I, end of your podcast where you're just like going through season one episodes that don't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I, I almost, well, I guess we should, we should save the finale for the last episode. I don't know if we'll end up doing that. No. I mean, we could do the real back to the island ripoff and save the pilot for the final episode. Ooh, the pilot. I don't know if I want to uh, pen that. the human, right? Oh yeah. His name is Penn in the pilot, right? Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. I don't know. We'll, we could think about that <laughs> some other time. But that that episode of uh, Star Trek makes me want to watch it. That it's sounds just cool. Ahoy, but longer. But it's yeah. it, they just made they just made that episode of Star Trek, but they made it Adventure Time, and they got Jonathan Frakes, which is like the obvious tip of the hat. But anyway, yeah. So that's a lot of people's <laughs> favorite episode. If you are going to jump in somewhere, like you don't really need to understand anything else about the show. Mm. Okay. Let me. There's. There it is. Yeah. It's a heavy episode, though, right. so you'll love it. But I'm like, I don't want to like. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But you have a segment. I'm so sorry. What's yeah, all right. <laughs> commercial break first. All right, now. What's the commercial? Miscellaneous mania. Finally. What's the? Do you have actual commercials? Yeah. <laughs> this So just some basic trivia about this episode. We already kind of touched on a lot of points. Uh, this was written and storyboarded by Jesse Moynihan, of course, and Sam Alden. Yes. And Sam, Al- I was gonna say Sam Alden. I'm, I need to, I want to look up that, look him up more. I know that Sam Alden has, uh, works a lot on the, uh, the, the comic version of Adventure Time, I believe. Yeah. I really like the comics. Um, I feel like it's like, I, I, maybe they don't get a lot of attention, but I picked up a few of them and they're always like just great Adventure Time stories. Yeah. They're, they're nice to read, uh, just like sort of out of order. Like I, I have like a couple of the trades, but they're not like sequential. Yeah. It's just like just whatever I found at the comic shop or whatever. Yeah. Um, this, this also for Sam Alden, the first episode that he ever co wrote and co storyboarded. What a oh, what a bounty. way to jump in! Yeah, they just pair him up with Jesse Moynihan. It's like, here's some fucked up shit. <laughs> yeah, what do you think life is all about anyway? Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, forget dialogue. That's not that's not going to explain anything in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I love that they. I, I mean, they've also said, um, obviously, like in Adventure Time, that by the time they got to this part of the si- series, like. Cartoon Network had kind of taken their hands off and we're kind of letting them just run. And since it was so successful and we're kind of paying attention to other shows that they, that needed the help on launching or getting off the ground or finalizing or conceptualizing. So it, I, it's kind of cool that you get to this point and that they're allowed to just do an episode like this and no one gives a shit and is like, hell yeah, that yeah. sounds cool. Well, that's like all cool art, right? All cool art is just big swing. People being honest and like within this, when there's a business interest, like you, you were talking, you, you keep referencing back to the island. And I, I recently heard an interview with the creator of Lost, and he always wanted an ending to the show, and the network was like, "No, this is successful. You have to keep going." And we could say that's where the show maybe lost some of its steam. Was that was not the intent or the honest intent of the creator to communicate what he wanted? Like he wanted this mystery that ended, and that, because they didn't let that, I think. 
maybe the art sacrifice. Whereas in Adventure Time at this point, the network's like, hands off, go for it. And we have these episodes that many years later, after the show ended, we're talking about. And it's interesting. Yeah, I think Damon Lindelof's best work is when it has a fucking ending. Like The Watchmen was only one season. It's only going to be one season. Uh, and even The Leftovers were shorter. I mean, that one was still a little bit weird, but it had it had an ending to the story, at least. Yeah. Where yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to be like where I, I I've heard Ken Osborne, uh, who's the head writer for Adventure Time, kind of be like, it was nice to get the hand like just the the hands like off and let them do whatever. But that in the early years, that like it was kind of helpful when they were figuring out what the hell was going on. Um, right. Well, because I, I we've talked about this a little bit when they started the show, Pendleton Ward got together a bunch of writers that he just liked their weird comics like their web comics or whatever. And it wound up being a bunch of creative people in a room that had no idea how to run a TV show. And they were just like, uh, we don't, we don't really know what we're supposed to do. So then they're like, okay, hold on. Let's yeah. bring in some, some people who understand the business. And they got like the guy who did SpongeBob to like jumpstart everything for them. Yeah. And they like famously took a break during season one for a couple weeks to like cartoon. Cause let's figure out what the fuck you guys are doing and brought in somebody from, <laughs> team from spongebob who the, the spongebob people i think they haven't like they've inferred that after a little bit spongebob people are like you guys know what you want to do like we don't have that much to offer and event essentially after the season one or two kind of faded off the working on it but yeah it's interesting uh well the, at that at that point you know five six seasons in it was one of Cartoon Network's longest-running shows, uh, and it wound up being their longest-running show. So I, I felt like financially they were probably like, "Yeah, you guys are getting the ad revenue. Well, just just yeah. keep doing what you're doing." Like, yeah, the merchandising checked in. Like, they're selling shirts at Hot Topic. Like, merchandising was insane. Yeah, honestly, I think that's what uh, prevented me from from checking this show out for so long. Was that like? The merchandising was so mainstream that I saw like all these like people wearing uh fin hats and backpacks and stuff. And I was like, this doesn't seem like the kind of thing I would be into just based on like the prevalence of merchandise. Uh and you know, I was obviously super wrong. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone. I you know, Pendleton Ward famously like stepped back from being the showrunner because like being like he had to oversee and approve, I believe the merchandising and like approved designs and concepts and all that stuff. And I think he was like, I don't want to be in charge of this shit. I'm trying to yeah, exactly. just make a cool cartoon. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, what other mania we got? Uh, so this episode guest starred Jim Cummings as Matthew. I didn't recognize the voice at first. It's a little bit more subdued than Jim Cummings usually does. I, I cued into it. Uh, weirdly enough, when Matthew splits into all the l other little people, and they all have different voices, but they're all voiced by Jim Cummings. And one of the voices is like the straight up Darkwing Duck voice. I was like, oh, holy shit. Was that Jim Cummings the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was pretty rad. He's, he is like a legit voice actor. Yeah, man. Being like the casting director for this show must be so interesting where it's like sometimes you're like, I need very storied uh, voice actors to pull off a voice. And sometimes it's going to be like, go get Duncan Trussell and he's just going to be himself <laughs> or like whatever these like, you know, Kumail will just be Prismo. It's fine. I love that. I love <laughs> yeah. it so much. Yeah. 
I know what Kumail sounds like, and I know what Prisma sounds like, and I know it's exactly the same, but to me, like, I don't know. Like, it's something so comforting about seeing the visual of Prisma and hearing Kumail's voice. Uh, yeah, it really does work. And I love that they have the whole thing with the pickles, because I'm a big pickle fan, so. It sounds like you're going to have to come back and do a Prismo episode with us. Fred. I'll do any of I mean, Sons of Mars. Oh, you probably already did that one, though, right? We, we did not. We, we normally go in random order. Nice, nice. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> that's probably enough for Miscellaneous Mania. I want to just run the episode <laughs> generator with the pretense that it will be random. Even though we already said it won't. Yeah, yeah, go for it. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? Before we hop okay, into this, so, it would be really terrible if I took a minute to go pee. Uh, sure, yeah, do that, because we're going to get kicked off the Google call again. <laughs> yeah, we are. So should we just regroup in a here's, little bit? Yeah, here's here's some miscellaneous mania. This is our longest episode of Adventure, guys. Is I'm it really? so sorry. I don't shut up, and I like have, I have to <laughs> notes, and it's so much to say, and you just edit out all the base stuff from the beginning, and like just cut out whatever nonsense I talked about. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my internet's working on my other computer, so here, let's jump so, off and jump back on again. Okay. Like way officially our longest episode ever. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually a good one though. It's not us. Like it's not like some of those long rambly ones that we've done, which are just like, why is this so long? <laughs> All right, record breaking, not just in length, but in our second technical difficulties for what was supposed to be an in-person episode. Yeah, okay, so where were we? Episode generator. Yeah. What are we gonna watch next week? What are we gonna watch? Go! Alright, so usually we would just pick a random number between 1 and 283. Uh, but for episode 69 next week, or in two weeks, or whenever it happens, we're gonna do strange wait what's it called high strangeness it is season eight episode 17 this is i've been touting my favorite episode of adventure time um it'll probably it may get usurped at some point like some of these lemon grab episodes do give it a run for its money but it this shit floored me this episode so if you're a casual fan and you're here for the for us just talking uh strap in for this one maybe go watch it it's gonna mess you Um, up it's a messed up episode. It's gonna you should if this is the only episode you watch, you should watch it. It's gonna mess you up. Yeah. Oh man, I don't I don't know if that's good advice. <laughs> watch this episode, get horrified, then listen to the podcast. It yeah. is the most sexual episode of this children's show. I think it's debatable. Yeah. I think. Um, well, that's that's the pretense. That's why we have chosen to do this episode. <laughs> for episode 69 oh we're so fucking immature oh my gosh <laughs> look there's yeah. there's three funny numbers and did you know that 
420 is 69 minutes after 311. I don't think I knew that. That's not that's true. Is it? Actually. Yeah, that's the world we live Wait. in. Wait. No, it's not. No, because it's time, so it's hours. Oh, time. <laughs> 69 minutes. It is actually 420 is 69 minutes after 311. Wow. So if you're paying oh, attention, you get to experience all three funny numbers in one twice a day. I have a lot more math jokes for everyone listening if you want to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have we no did, math jokes. We, we did a special 311 episode uh, earlier this year. Um but I wonder when we'll get to that 420 episode. Oh, we're oh yeah, we're gonna do that on for April 20th, and we're gonna do it stoned. That's that's what we said, what was right, Nick? Episode four, that's what you said last night. What was episode 420? Uh, season four, episode 20. I don't know. Wait, are I was you just looking at four episode 20, or how many episodes are there? 420 episodes of Adventure Time? I don't know. No, no, they're not. <laughs> the 280, 281, Eric, or 280. 283, 283 plus the pilot plus the four distant lands okay. plus I'm assuming 10 episodes of Fiona and Cake for next year. Ooh. That'll be good for us. Um by the way, episode 69 of Adventure Time is the episode thank you with uh where a snow golem takes in a lost fire wolf pup and tries to take care of it. That's a real classic episode. That uh is the episode that Jeff referenced when we interviewed him a couple weeks ago when we informed him that there is a snail in every episode and he asked even in thank you. Yeah. Um, so we, it would make way more sense than in reference to that to do thank you next week. Cause it's also episode 69, but I don't want to do that. Even though it would make more sense. Well, no, that, we should never do that because that's how, that's how a podcast that goes in order would do it. The episodes of Adventure Time would line up with the adventure. Oh, right. They can't ever line guys up. I like if I wanted order in my life from podcasts, I'd be listening to NPR. But I don't. We're listening to Adventure Guys. <laughs> you don't want order. You want chaos. And you want emotional intelligence. There you go. Yeah. There you. are like 10 other podcasts you can listen to that go in order about Adventure don't, Time. Don't, don't do that, Eric. Don't tell them about those. There are no other podcasts about Adventure there Time. There you go. We, Thank you. We are Adventure Guys, the first and foremost only podcast about Adventure Time. The only Adventure yep, Time podcast that has interviewed Jeff Rosenstock. That is that's true. true. That that's true. undisputable. <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> Any last thoughts anyone wants to get out before we wrap it up? I, I no. talked so got, much. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, Craig, thank you for joining and bringing in like a revitalized energy to this. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks. Yeah. yeah do you have anything whatever. you want to plug? Huh? Do you have anything you want to plug? Anything going on right now musically? Oh, what should we plug? Yeah. Uh, the world is so hard. I don't know how to be in a band in, in this year. So I might try to do some more solo stuff. But it's just uh, it's just not going to be as good as the full band stuff, you know, like full band stuff. I don't know. I think about the Beatles, you know, like the Beatles, like I love all that stuff. And then and then like all their solo projects are like, you know, I just if if it was the Beatles, it'd be a little better. There's just something about collaborating <laughs> with people that you've been collaborating with for a long time. So I guess I have nothing to plug, uh, but uh, everyone should the follow. first solo albums from the Beatles are all pretty damn good. The first couple. And then you st- you start getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure at some point I'm going to write out, run out of things to write about. I also write three songs a year, so that's like not too bad. You know, who can't keep that going? <laughs> I wrote an Adventure Time song one time. If you go to the Cold Rex SoundCloud, you can find it. 
and I'm wearing my thin pajamas. I sent that picture to, to both of you if you want to see it or use it to promote this episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I wrote this song at a time in my life where I'd given up on Adventure Time. The series wasn't over yet. It was about how I stopped watching the show and I just like couldn't get as into it anymore. And it's kind of funny that after I wrote that song and recorded it on my phone, I'm sorry. Um, years later, I came back and I love Adventure Time. That is going to have to go up on some of our socials. I'm looking for it right now and I will listen to it later. It might be, it's on the Fear Journal playlist, which is just with me and Busy from Cold Rex write silly songs because the world is so hard and we just need a little bit of a release. I like that. Oh, there it is. Adventure Time. Okay. Sweet. All right. Well, right on good ep, guys. Longest Adventure Guys ep ever. Thank Congratulations. you for making it here. If you're still listening, we love you. Please edit out so much of this. <laughs> we don't, we don't, what, what, what's our motto, Eric? We, we, we don't trash. Uh, we're anything. not dogmatic. Yeah, we're not dogmatic. That's one of them. And <laughs> and we don't we don't erase things, right? We were making. I was making a theme song. I was like, Eric, should we just scrap this? And Eric was like, There's no scrapping on Adventure Guys. <laughs> Is that what I said? Yeah, something like that. Much like the blockchain, there are no edits. <laughs> we don't toss stuff. We just keep going. Cool. Cool. All right. <laughs> All right. Peace Thanks, out, y'all. Have a good Christmas. You know, like, I have a new favorite metric for tracking how bad things are. So I have, a, I have an economics degree. So there's all these, like, weird ways you can track how good or bad things are. Like, you can track how good the economy is doing based on underwear sales. When the economy is bad, people stop buying underwear because you don't, like, need to. You can kind of get away with it. So you could track the economy with this, like, underwear sales metric. So for, for COVID, for me, my COVID metric now is... Uh, how many audience members are allowed at Saturday Night Live and like how live is the show versus are they just kind of doing it at home? And then <sighs> last night, last night's episode, uh, it was it was just who who was there? I don't know if you're SNL people. It was Paul yeah. Rudd, Tom Hanks, Tina Fey, Keenan Thompson, Michael Che. That's it. And then they, they had a couple pre tap pre tape sketches and then they did like old sketches also. I'm like, oh, they're desperate. They had to do like a like, so it, I think that everyone in SNL might have COVID, unfortunately. Right, that would uh. be the, and also then they canceled Charlie XCX as the music guest, which would lead me to believe that casting crew yeah, and people no who had been there all week were all exposed, right? Yep. So then the only people that could come on were those folks. Yeah, she, uh, Charlie XCX is in one of the sketches, and watching this sketch, I'm like, oh. They shot it beautifully, but like they didn't have time to write this sketch the way you would normally write a sketch. And it's just like, it's like all filler. Ooh, we're, we have to end in 10 minutes. Is that the case? I just got a notification. Your call ends in 10 minutes. Oh, oh. how does that? Oh, because it's more than two people. Oh, yeah. We've been doing these for forever as for hours. Well, just with just with two people. We could always leave and Sh come back, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's a good time to do that. Okay, same link. Leave and then come back. Is that going to mess anything up for you uh, in terms of recording? Uh, we'll just keep recording, right? Yeah, just just keep recording on your do, computer. Do we yeah. need a new uh, link, Eric? 
Yeah, I guess we'll probably need a new link. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, let's cool. BRB. <laughs>